Welcome to the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with Senior Pastor Matt Homeyer. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning. Good morning. We're going to be in Matthew 14 today. And before we get going, I'd like to read this passage for us and then pray for us. We will be in Matthew 14, 13 through 21. If you have scripture with you or your phones, Matthew 14, 13 through 21. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We only have five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over, and those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us. God, we do thank you as it is our privilege to do every time we gather together. That you are here in our midst. That it is you who have gathered us. It is you who have given us breath in our lungs today, God. That as we will talk about, you are a God who provides Anything that we count good, anything that we count good, God, is a gift from you. Help us to be thankful. Help us to have your provision in mind as we celebrate mothers and grandmothers and aunts and sisters and daughters and friends today. With thankfulness in mind, help us celebrate our college graduates today. With so much that you have provided, God, lead us into this time of worship to hear a word from you. In your name we pray, amen. Happy Mother's Day. I should have said that a little bit earlier. Forgot about it. It's a busy morning. Kelly's not here in the service, so we're okay. Um, I'll get that more in a second. And my mom will be there too, so that's special. Uh, we do say Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day is a day of joy for many to celebrate motherhood, to celebrate 
again, not just mothers, I think, but grandmothers and aunts and sisters and daughters and, and friends and all of those uh, women in our lives who, who, went, go, who had a hand in raising us. Mother's Day is also a day sometimes of, of some pain and sometimes of some sadness for those who are not with us. For those who struggle with, with infertility, with lost children, any number of things, Mother's Day brings a lot of emotions. And, and I think it's good for us to bring all of those together into worship and celebrate what can be celebrated and, and mourn what needs to be mourned and, and grieve with those who grieve and bring all of that together today. So as you celebrate Mother's Day throughout the day, I hope you will, you will call women and friends to mind who, who may be having different experiences and, and celebrate them, remember them, encourage them as you were able. What does it mean to say that God provides? In the early part of this sermon, I'm going to kind of bring you into the preacher's dilemma sometimes. Uh, of we, we select sermons and we say things and we believe things to be true. Then as, as preacher, you've got to get up and talk about that to everybody and it's kind of difficult sometimes to, to know exactly what to say. What does it actually mean to you, for me, that God provides? Because I believe it's true. I believe God is alive and, and active. And it kind of goes back to even our, our first sermon series, my first weeks, of, of God is a sower of seed. God is a, a giver of good gifts. God is a generous and abundant God who gives good things in abundance often to his people. Yet, if we answer that slightly off kilter, off balance, you know, this whole tower of our faith can, can lean just a little bit, and that may be a minor thing or become a really big thing over time. It's one of these many questions of faith we must answer soundly and securely and, and build a firm foundation on. What does it mean that God can provide as we continue this series today on God can. It's hard to preach on God's provision that God does provide and not make it a prosperity gospel sermon. Do you, do you know the prosperity gospel? Might be a TV preacher gospel and not just those. Uh, the belief among some that prosperity and wealth are, are always what God wants for you. And God wants you to be rich, and he wants you to be healthy, and he wants you to be happy. And if you just do these certain things and pray this certain way and often give this certain amount to a certain person, then you too can have all you ever dreamed of. And it makes the gospel like, like a wish list of fulfillment that somehow aligns kind of with American dream of, of, of more. That's not what we're here saying. It's, it's hard to preach this text and not make God a cosmic vending machine that God will provide for you. And if you just ask and if you just pray and if you just be a good boy and a good girl, God will give you, God will provide. God will give you the desires of your heart. But we know God is not a vending machine. God doesn't just give out things when we ask as if we are spoiled children. Yet we do believe, and Scripture attests, that God does provide for us. God does provide for his children. God often not just provides, but gives abundantly and generously to his people. This is true, and we have need to proclaim it. So what does it mean when we say God provides? Here's where I've come down today. 
And we're going to talk about it through the text. And I'm going to say this a lot of times and help it soak into our minds and our hearts. God will provide everything we need to do what he has called us to do and to be who he has called us to be. That is not to say he gives us every whim, every desire of our heart, every wish. It's not to say every prayer we pray will be answered or that we will not have struggle or sickness or death or loss in life. It is to say that that over the course of time, what God has called us to do as individuals, as families, as a church, he will provide that which we need to do that. Who God has called us to be in the short term and in the long term, God will provide that which we need, the people that we need, the gifts, the resources that we need to to grow into that person through the power of the Holy Spirit. The difficult part is the trust required on our end in the face of the seemingly impossible situations. Those situations we we get in fairly regularly in life where we need God to come through and we feel like God is moving and we wonder when that provision will come and we are faced with a choice. Do I take things into my own hand? Do I turn around? Do I turn left? Do I turn right? Or do I continue to trust God and move forward with what he has called me to do? This is the situation in our text today in Matthew 14. A little background here. This miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, is the only miracle that's in all four Gospels. Lots of the miracles are in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the same ones. John has some of those that the others do not, and, and, and there's some differences therein, some differing. They put them in kind of different order sometime. This is the only one that's in all four, which should cause us to wake up a little bit and say, man, they, there's something really important about this one. There's really some lessons to gain here that, that all four of these writers saw fit to put into this. As we roll into 14, Jesus has been on a long uh, time of teaching. There's this parable after parable after parable leading up to this. And then in the beginning of 14, John gets word that Herod has had John the Baptist beheaded. Jesus is, is tired from long stretch of ministry in and around the Sea of Galilee. And then he hears that John has been beheaded. John his cousin, John, who baptized him, John, the forerunner of his own ministry, John, his friend, maybe. It's likely some of his disciples had been John's disciples, that there was shared community between these groups. It's likely the political pressure now is ramped up and and perhaps among the disciples and others, there's some fear of what does this mean for us? A lot of emotion A lot of things come to the surface with John beheaded. And so Jesus, as Jesus is apt to do, takes a little break. Because friends, even Jesus needed rest. That's not the sermon today, but it's a sermon we often need. Even Jesus needed a little rest. (laughs) Even Jesus needed some time to grieve. Even Jesus needed some time to pray. And so they head out in a boat, he and these fishermen, Uh, across the Sea of Galilee. But before they can get there, the crowds that we're told at the end of the chapter, end of this part of the chapter, is about 5,000 men 
in not including women and children. So, you know, let's just multiply that by two and a half, just for sake, right? This is like 15,000 people. This is 20,000 people. It's a, it's a lot of people. Um, Bethsaida and Capernaum, which are two of the cities that Jesus worked in uh, often around the Sea of Galilee, would have maybe had 5,000 people between them. So this is kind of an inexplicably large crowd. I mean, to put it in Texas terms, this is November in a small town and your football team's in the state quarterfinals and the whole town leaves, you know, to go to the game. Everyone is emptied out to come and they, they've run. Jesus is sailing across the lake and they're coming around the lake in this long and, and fairly significant journey to a desolate place. So, so not in a city, in the country. They're camping out, right? to hear what Jesus has to say. Jesus in his fatigue shows up on the shoreline and he sees the crowd waiting for him there. And this really significant line, Matthew says that, and he had compassion on them. Again, that's not really the full sermon today, but what a wonderful thing to know of Jesus' compassion that Jesus had mercy, that Jesus saw their, their spiritual need, their emotional need, the physical needs. And even in his fatigue, he could not let those needs remain. He felt compassion to heal. And so he spent the day healing their sick. And when evening came, the disciples came to him who was, you know, we kind of put ourselves practically in this. If we enter this story, some really interesting things come out maybe. If we imagine maybe practically what was going on, it's likely he's still healing people. And the disciples come and say, maybe worried for him, maybe just thinking practically about the needs of all of these people there that seemingly all forgot their lunch. I mean, that's also one of the inexplicable parts of this of like, yeah, come on, we've traveled. Moms always have snacks ready. You know, there's, there's always something here. But they're thinking very practically, Jesus, you're tired. Jesus, we've got more than the whole population of the Sea of Galilee here. And, and there's no highway down the road with a truck stop and fast food. I mean, there, if you ate at night in this time, it was because you had worked that day to make the bread and prepare someone in your household. The burden of that day's labor was the night's meal. You didn't have leftovers ready to go. You couldn't run to the store and get what you needed. It, it was daily bread was a very real prayer for them in a way it is not for us. And so they're concerned Jesus, it's late. Jesus, you're tired. Jesus, we got 20,000 people here maybe, all of whom need to eat. We don't have enough money for that. Even if we did have enough money, there's a lot store for that. Send these people back to get food or, or we're gonna have a problem on our hands. You know, it's a very practical, rational thing that the disciples do. Sometimes they're, you know, misaligned for this for some, but I think they're thinking like many of us would have been doing. Their whole day was unplanned and unscheduled. They were exhausted and grieving, and suddenly they've got this busy day of, of work and ministry ahead of them. They're tired and grieving. They're doing their best just to keep up with what Jesus was doing and follow as best as they can. And Jesus chooses to use this time 
You know, maybe when the disciples are particularly worn down, they're tired. They might have sailed all night. They, they were expecting a day of rest, and here they are caring for all these people. He, predicts, he, he takes this particular time to teach the disciples and maybe just a bit to test their trust in him. When Jesus performs the miracle he's about to perform, we see three things happen. And bringing this to us today, I, I think... The same three things occur whenever God provides for us and we recognize it's God's provision. I think there are countless things in our world that, that happen that are God's provision. We just don't always recognize as such. We recognize them as physics at work. We recognize them as our own hard work or our, our own due you know, fruits or something like that. But here are the three things that happen that, that are a challenge for us and an encouragement for us. One, a need is met. Maybe ours, maybe someone else's in our world, but, but they flow from God's provision. There is a, an emotional, physical, uh, mental health, uh, spiritual need in the world, and in God's provision, his ability to provide, he graces us with, with power, with grace, with something, and a need is met. And the second thing that happens in that is God's power and glory are displayed. And that's important. God's power and glory are on display for the world. The Book of Common Prayer says that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so when God gains glory through something we're involved in, something earthly, it resounds to heaven and is a praise and is a witness and should be mentioned. A need is met. God's glory is shown. And third, the disciple learned something about trusting in God. The disciple hopefully grows in trust and has yet another example in his or her life that, that God is trustworthy and that God does provide. Jesus tells the disciples, the people don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And again, this is a point where we, we want a couple chapters on the disciples' mental state at that point. <laughs> the conversation that they had at that point. What were they thinking? How did they approach Jesus after that? Did they huddle up and confer a little bit? You're like, okay, okay, okay. Um, he said, we should provide. Judas, do we have enough to pay for them? No, we don't, and grocery stores don't exist. Okay, okay, so we can't go do that. Um, did anyone bring wagon loads of bread? No, we didn't bring that. Okay, what do we do? And, and we wonder about their response. Was it fatalistic? Jesus, oh, we, we have five loaves and two fish. What do you want us to do? Was it hopeful? Jesus, we don't see how it's going to work, but we do have five loaves and two fish. What was the attitude of that response? We don't know that. I think there's something for us in that. Often our offerings that we can bring to God are so meager. Just to be honest, the greatest offerings we have to give that sometimes seem big in our eyes and the, compared to the, the, the resources of the kingdom of God are meager offerings and resources. And yet God calls us to offer these things in trust. 
our time, our gifts, our, our, our money, the things that we have, sort of the assets of our life that might be used to bless another or encourage another, meager things that God calls us to offer up in, in beckoning, in the, to hear, to, in response to the beckoning call of the kingdom of God. Don't send them away. What, what do you have to provide? Well, here's what I have, God. What are you going to do with it? All we have is these five loaves and two fish. Jesus is testing the disciples' trust in him. Can they grow to see him as the son of God who can meet and does meet all needs? Can they come to envision through him imaginative and hopeful and miraculous possibilities in the world because the power of God is manifest in them? Or will they remain only seeing what is right in front of them? only seeing through a view of scarcity, only seeing through, through a worldly, cre creaturely lens that one plus one always equal two, when in the kingdom of God, sometimes it equals 2,000, 5,000, 20,000. Friends, hear this. Every obstacle we face, every challenge, even those obstacles and challenges that are of our own making, they're opportunities to trust in the power of Jesus to provide for us. They're opportunities to trust that Jesus can save and Jesus can redeem and Jesus can forgive and Jesus can extend grace and that God can work even in those seemingly unworkable situations. We are called to follow the Spirit's guidance and trust. Okay, Jesus, you want to feed all these people? Well, here's what we have. We got one sack lunch and a meager one at that. Again, we wonder how it happened. It doesn't seem like it just sprung up all of it immediately. It, it seems like Jesus reaches into the basket and pulled out five loaves and two fish and gave it to the disciples. And then he reached into the basket and pulled out five loaves and two fish and gave it to the disciples. And, and he kept reaching into the basket and they had everyone sit down. And, and we imagine it was a quiet thing in the beginning. A quiet thing. 20,000, 5,000, however many it was, hungry people, tired people, but freshly healed people. A small thing of Jesus and the disciples maybe in one corner of this large gathering and suddenly word begins to spread. Where are the wagons? I don't, I don't smell bread being made. I didn't see the, you could certainly smell that much fish. I didn't smell them coming in. And then it spreads around and, and all of a sudden there's a buzz among the crowd at what is happening and they can see this man that has just healed them pulling out loaves and fishes and loaves and fishes and loaves and fishes. Y'all, if there were, let's just say, twelve to 15,000 people and, and it take Jesus three seconds to pull out loaves and fishes and hand them to someone else and reach back for more, and Jesus didn't stop for bathroom breaks and his arm didn't get tired, that's about 10 and a half hours of pulling bread and fish out of these boxes. This is a miracle that just cascaded and continued around, and then the call went out for seconds. Anybody want more? 
Is everyone full, kids? Have you, are you sure you had enough? I know your mom told you to wait. Everybody else had some. Do you want some more? Y'all, okay, now there's a call. Uh, leftovers? Anybody need breakfast tomorrow? Do you, do you want to take some home? Okay, let's gather up what we have. Anybody, oh, we got so much left over. Let's gather up these, these 12 baskets, this super abundant miracle. What does it mean that God will provide? Does it mean every prayer will be answered? No. Does it mean you, friends, will always be happy and wealthy and and safe and healthy? No. The passage teaches us that God has compassion on us in our need, our spiritual need, our emotional needs, our physical needs. God has compassion, I believe, on every part of us, every area of our life, every atom of our being. And, And what we can say from Scripture is that God will provide all that we need to do what he has called us to do and to be who he has called us to be. So then, friends, it's really important to pray through and consider what God has called you to do and who God has called you to be. Moms, God has called you to be a mother. It's a hard, tiring, anxiety-filled, terrifying, wonderful job. (laughs) If you are like the moms I know, you likely do not feel like you are doing or have done the best job much of the time. Those with kids in the house often feel like you may (laughs) do not have the energy, the patience, the wisdom, the love, the resources to be the mother that you want to be. Let me say this. First, if you are also like most moms I know, you're doing a much better job than you ever give yourself credit for. And other people see that, even the moments when you do not. But mothering parenting requires trust that God will provide what you need. From that moment that child is known, I remember just knowing oh my gosh, I'm going to screw this kid up. (laughs) I'm going to do the best I can, and that is so little. There is so much I don't know. There's so many imperfections I have that is going to be passed on in his DNA and who he sees in me. Oh my goodness, I need God to love this kid goes for fathers. It goes for all of the roles we embody in life, in our family, in our friendships, in our workplaces, in our community. We embody all of these roles, and God has gifted us and equipped us and provided these roles, and he will gift us and equip us to be faithful witnesses in those places, to be the presence of Christ to those people with, which, with whom we are in relationship. What is God calling you to do? Who is God calling you to be? How are you being called to step out in faith in a new way? And it may be terrifying, and it may be anxiety-producing, and it also may be exciting. You're not seeing where the ends meet in this, but you're being called to step, to step not knowing exactly where the foot will land trusting that God will be there and provide. When I was in seminary, 
I knew I wanted to pastor. And I, I started interviewing my last semester of seminary and graduation was approaching and, and we were married and, and Kelly had announced she was going to be leaving her job knowing that we were going to be uh, moving somewhere that we knew not where. And, and there were student loans going to come due. There were things that were happening in life where you're going, I, I both want to fulfill this calling and, and I want to make a living and, and provide and I want to know where our life is going to be. And, and we interviewed and we interviewed and just none of them were the right place. And we went through months of this and, and it was agonizing and, and, and just anxiety producing and, and difficult and you thought God had brought me through so much to get me through seminary and any number of other things. And why wasn't the door opening after you know, all of this work and time and, and money and resources and everything that had been poured into this? And for my last class, one of our last weeks of the semester, we, we went backpacking as your capstone final thing, went backpacking in Big Ben. It's the only reason I signed up for the class, to be really honest. It had a backpacking trip at the end. And we spent three or four days in the backcountry backpacking and, and praying and talking about, you know, however many, 93 hours of seminary and how it had shaped us and what God was doing in our life. And, and me and three friend, two other friends, rather, were all in similar situations facing that next step. And we stayed back together in this valley in the backcountry of Big Ben one morning to pray together. We prayed together and we split up and we came back together after an hour or two. And in that time, each of us had a word from God. For them, it was the, the right decision between several decisions. And for me, the word clear as day was when you emerge from this place, Big Ben, the next step will be waiting for you. So I was out of cell phone range about six days, somewhere in that you know Alpine area coming back your cell phone kicks in for a little bit and there was one message from a man named Pete Wingrove at Fellowship Baptist Church in Marble Falls saying, Matt, I'm the chairman of a search committee in Marble Falls, church I'd never applied to. We've got your name. We'd really love to talk with you when you get a chance. And it was this straight path to this place that still feels like home for us in so many ways. Two years ago, just about, Kelly and I started really thinking as much as we had loved our time at Truett that God was leading us back to the pastorate. Maybe me a little more than her at that point, but we were exploring this together and we thought with great peace, we're not gonna chase this. We're gonna stay right where God has planted us until he moves us. And different opportunities came our way and different obstacles came up in our path all the way going, none of these are right and all of these seem to be detours from this path we feel like God is leading us back to. And I knew so well that the church needs pastors, deeply, badly needs pastors. And so, God, just make it happen. I'm willing to pretty much do what you want me to do. Just make it happen. And then we, a story for another day, which some of many of you know, our daughter had a 70-day hospital stay and just any number of things. And it was a year ago this week that Kelly and I sat on the back porch and she said, all right, what churches are out there? And I said, honey, we're, we're in the middle of therapy three or four or five days a week. We're just coming out of this crazy time of hospital stay. We can't move. 
she said, you know, if God's brought us this far through this, don't you think he's still doing what he was doing before and he'll care for us? And I was like, well, I've got a bunch of friends that want me to apply to Trinity. She's like, all right. So I called a couple friends and they got my name in. We never know the timetable. We never know the exact ways. It's often surprising and it's often on a timing that's not ours. But the passage shows that when God meets our needs, he need, meets it out of his compassion, that he is glorified and, and revealed in power, and that we learn a lesson in trust, that when we sense the Spirit's guiding, we, we follow with what meager offerings we have, and the Spirit meets us there. And he takes what we have, these meager offerings, and multiplies them beyond our imagining. And, and, and in time, we look back at the life that has brought us here, and we see God's handprints meeting us along the way. In the middle of it, it was so hard to see and so hard to trust. And yet, there his trust has been guiding us all along the way. You will be required to trust. You be, will be required to step out in faith. But if you trust and step out in obedience and faith, you will see answered prayer. You will see God meet you in your need or meet someone you love or are praying for in their need. You will experience the profound blessing of knowing all that you have is a gift from God. Even if you worked very hard for it, it is still this great and profound and inexplicable blessing from God for, to be used for you and to bless the kingdom of God through you, which is all through him. You'll be blessed to feel, no, you are in the midst of prayers being answered as you walk. God will provide. May we have the trust to follow where he leads. Let me pray for us. God, help us to trust. Help us to pray. Help us to listen and discern. Where are you calling us to live and work and have our being? What are the roles in this life you're calling us to embody? Who are you calling us to be through the work of your spirit? May we trust you that as you have been with us this far, you will be with us in the days to come. And that where we sense your spirit stirring, God, may we run to join you there, trusting you will provide all we need to provide for us in that place. In your name we pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed your segment of the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with senior pastor Matt Homeyer. Join us next week for another segment. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org.